Welcome to Inside Aesthetics, the world's leading podcast for injectors and cosmetic businesses. I'm Dr. Jake Sloan, an aesthetic doctor based in Sydney, and I'm joined by my co-host and good friend David Segal, an entrepreneur and an aesthetic business mentor. Each episode of IA showcases unfiltered conversations with guests from around the world. In a sometimes disjointed industry, IA aims to help educate and connect our global community to raise the bar for both our businesses and our patients. To further support and educate our listeners, we offer a range of additional resources under our IA Patreon subscription service. This caters for injectors and business owners of all levels and includes interactive live Zoom sessions, webinars, hints and tip videos, private chat groups and exciting future content to come. To subscribe to IA Patreon, head to www.insideaesthetics.com forward slash Patreon or click the link in our podcast description. You should seek medical advice before undergoing any treatment or procedure and these podcasts do not replace a professional and bespoke consultation. Good morning, brother. Good morning. How We've had you? technical issues again. I don't think there's been a day or an episode that we've recorded where we haven't had buzzing in a microphone, a boom <laughs> stand files. that's broken, lost files, things not recording properly. If only they could see the bloopers and the outtakes. <sighs> well, one day, one day. Well, we've got a new member of the team coming on soon, so maybe they can assist with capturing all of these golden moments of failure. <laughs> Who is this mystery member? Why are we, we going to reveal it yet? No, well, I don't know if there's much of a reveal, no. but we're definitely getting some help. Yes, we're getting some help. We need help, not so, ju- not just one capacity, <laughs> not just one capacity. <laughs> so someone to help, well, with a lot of the jobs that you do from social media perspective. Thank God. I know deep down that you love a bit of social media, but there's there's levels. Oh, and hopefully we can offer better, more regular content. Yeah, it's it's difficult. It's been difficult finding the right person, but fingers crossed, fingers crossed. This is this is the right one. So talking about today it's just you and i here in the studio no again no, no one wanted to talk no to special us. guest no well <laughs> my mom thinks i'm special okay well she's definitely right in, in a certain way <laughs> what are we talking about why are we here well so people have given us lots of good feedback about some of the episodes that you, just you and i do mm. and i did a presentation for mertz mm-hmm. a few weeks ago a bit over a month ago now yeah and it was on business obviously i'm not in any position to talk about uh, clinical education but from a business perspective i've seen and done a few things and have a little bit of experience and they asked me to come along and share my thoughts on the industry and provide their their nurses with some practical tips on how to be, I guess, more successful in their practices. And and I guess a lot of people out there who work in other practices sometimes switch off and don't think about business. But a couple of things to sort of say to that, number one, you might not be working for someone else forever. Mm. And number two, I still see that if you are subcontracting or working within someone else's business, you're still representing yourself. Patients are coming to see you. So you're either working independently in your own location where you may be a solo injector or have staff members working for you, or you could be in someone else's clinic working under their infrastructure, but it's still your business. So I see these kinds of, these bits of information as applicable no matter where you are in the industry or or what you're doing. Mm. And so it was a fairly broad discussion. I only had 20 minutes to talk about it, but we covered, covered things like current trends in the marketplace across the world globally, but particularly here in Australia, what's happening with competition, a little bit on the economy and which is unpredictable and it's all over the place at the moment. And mm. then talking about things like patient expectations and just some, I guess, real practical tips on how to do things better from someone that's sat on the outside from a, I guess, treatment perspective, but very much <clears throat> involved on the business side and just seeing 
where there's opportunities for people to take their businesses to the next level and separate themselves from the competition because the competition is increasing every day as we've spoken about countless times here on the, on the podcast is that the industry is now moving to a point of maturity or consolidation if you want to refer to it as that which means that supply is catching up with demand and you have to be better than the person next to you to be successful these days. So yeah. it's not such a easy proposition. You really have to think about things and have a plan and a strategy. And taking this a step backwards, because obviously maybe that was the first official event you've done for business where you've spoken to tons of people yeah. now and you're consulting. Yeah. I think even you <clears throat> were surprised and maybe because your perspective was different, you mm. know, running clinics in chains and maybe being disconnected mm -hmm. from independent injectors. But you've kind of been a bit surprised at how little people really do understand about basic yeah, nuts and, and, and bolts. Yeah, and, and not in a negative way. I mean, one of the great things about that is that there's some really easy wins. It's not like a, an opportunity to point the finger and, and sort of look down on people because they don't have the knowledge. I just think it's great. People have managed to be successful in spite yeah. of not knowing a lot of these things. And I think with a little bit of direction and thought and planning, it really isn't that hard to start separating yourself from the competition. So I, I see it as an absolute positive because there's some really easy things that you can implement mm. to start making some real changes. And, and so what was the whole day about? I mean, you did the business. What else did they do at Mertz? Oh, I mean, it was, it was for their nurse academy. So it was for their, I guess, their best injectors or their most, you know, valuable uh, clients from around the country. I think they flew them, flew them down. It was a great event, very successful. It was a room of maybe 150 people, mm -hmm. I can't remember. It's hard to sort of judge how many people are there when you're looking at an audience. It wasn't, it wasn't massive. It was the, in, at the Intercontinental Hotel in Double Bay in Sydney in, in the main room there. And that room was chock-a-block. Yeah. So it was great. I mean, they spoke about um, devices. They spoke about, you know, some applications for their, for their fillers. They had some great talks on things like uh, there was a, a, I don't know if she, her name's like a, she's a stat, statistician mm -hmm. or talking about a lot of the surveys that she's conducted in her research into what patients are wanting, what makes them come mm. back, what makes them go and potentially look at other um, competitors, things like price sensitivity, what are the most important things that sort of consumers and patients are looking for when they're making those decisions. So it was a really mixed bag, but I was the second talker, which is interesting because normally you find that business is sort of kind of maybe entertained and it's at the back end of the day where everyone's already mentally exhausted and drained and don't, doesn't really take much, don't really take much in. So it was actually great um, that I guess Mertz have sort of recognized that there is a real need and a hunger for these sorts of business knowledge. And to have it sort of right at the beginning of the day when everyone was fresh was really Before great. lunch. Yeah, it was the second tour. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no postprandial falling no. asleep. I mean, to be honest with you, I was, I was a bit nervous because I think that, you know, when you and I just sitting here or we're looking at a screen and talking to a guest, it's, it's, it's really uh, insulated. Yeah environment you don't really get a, a comprehension of all the people that are listening once oh, it gets published so yeah. standing in a room of a you know 100 or a couple of hundred people or more it's really quite confronting oh yeah uh, and, and nerve-wracking come back from bangkok and that was the biggest event i've yeah. done i think there was seven eight hundred in the room but also two thousand online wow so I hear you. Yeah, I'm still in the junior leagues. I haven't done that. <laughs> no, <laughs> done that. So. but you know, it, th this is uh, a lot easier to be completely honest. Yeah, and so I think the assumption is, oh, you do the podcast. This is easy. I'm like, well, it's quite different. Yeah, yeah <laughs> so you haven't got 200 eyes looking at you or whatever it is, or 400 eyes. So let's get on to current yes. trends. Then, I mean, yeah, we've got your presentation here, so let's just go through it in order. Yeah. But one thing that I would fully agree with, but I don't know if you've sort of yeah. got more insight into the why, yeah. is reduction in filler volume. Yeah. So what, what do you mean by that? Well, I think that 
well, not just think, I know, because I speak to lots of people. I see conversations that are happening in our WhatsApp groups. I've got quite a few consulting clients now and just so many friends and, and family that are involved in the industry. So I hear these things. I've spoken to reps from various pharmaceutical companies, the big ones, and filler volumes are down across the board here in Australia. Yeah. Um, the reasons for that, I think one, there are other options now in terms of more tools to try and do the same job. So I think there's been like a, with Profilo coming onto the market and there's others coming soon, mm -hmm. Sculptures enjoying a nice sort of second chapter in its existence in yep. the industry and that's becoming quite popular again. So I think there are options, there are more tools to achieve the same outcome. So you mean structural filler? Yes. But you know, we're still using yeah. filler. I'm still using filler, yeah, but using this as as an adjunct or an, an, an addition to. So mm. not just relying on the filler to to do the entire job. So people that will go in and do, I guess, restoration work yeah. with collagen stimulators first to build general volume or mass repair collagen and elastin and all the support structures in the skin. And then they're going back in with filler and finding that maybe they don't need as much. Yeah. Um, because they're, you know, they've got the integrity of the skin to a much better place where they don't need the same kind of volumes. I think that the fillers are lasting longer than yeah. what we all were told and anticipated they would last. So people that we thought would be coming back in every 12, 18 months or six months for top-ups or, or more treatment, they don't need it because the fillers hanging around longer. Yeah. Um, and then I think there's also a trend in many instances for patients and practitioners to push towards a less augmented look. Mm -hmm. For sure. So I, th I think those, those are the ma major things. I think that people are looking for potentially less risky uh, propositions as well. I know a few clinics that focus solely on anti-wrinkle treatments because they just don't want the risk of doing filler. Yeah. So I think that, that that's a mine. I think that's a very small one. <laughs> yeah. Very small. But tricky can, can be done, but it's yeah. tricky. Yeah. So I think those are the major factors. I mean, what, what do you think about that? Would you, would you yeah. disagree? You got anything else to add to that? No, I, I, I fully agree. I mean, you know, we've seen the work of Mobin, Mobin Master. Yeah. Shout out to Mobin if you're yep. listening. Um, we have maybe this is a very Australian centric sort of yeah. um, thing, but we, we've sort of seen the lip yeah. sort of rise several years ago, where it really was getting out of control, yeah. and now we just see it less on the street. You yeah. just see less people walking around with that overly augmented yeah. lip, and whether that's because of you know we know about the rheology of filler and it lasting longer, yeah. or just trends wise we've realized maybe we overcooked it and yeah. and now people were demanding a more natural look yeah and whether it was because kylie jenner dissolved her lips who knows <laughs> but eventually we have got to a point where i agree i think you know from a personal perspective and you know maybe my cohort's different but because i'm i guess i'm lucky that i'm booked out so i see less and less new patients mm -hmm. and so my returning patients are people I've already treated yeah. and therefore I've done their structural work whenever yeah. I met them or, yeah. you know, over a period of time. And so now, you know, they don't need filling mm. or, or not as much anyway. Yeah. We still can work on refinement maintenance, but if I've done 10 in the past, I might only need two that year, Yeah, for example. Yeah. Um, and you're right, you know, products like Profilo, um, you know, or just sending them to see the girls who do laser for us yeah. or go and see Charles, who I work with plastic surgeon to do a resurfacing mm. laser. Yeah. There are other things that I can suggest that will make their aesthetic better, yeah. but it may not be me that always does it yeah um but i've sort of done my job and i'm it, but in fact my toxin use has gone yep. up yeah i'm using a lot more toxin um can see it in my sales but also you know my average units used and that's because i'm trying to be mindful of you know we've, we've mentioned it on the podcast sebastian cotafana talking about 
reducing the downpull of yep. the platysma and the muscles of the lower face yep. to get that lifted look around yep. the jawline and even the mid face. Yeah. So if you, you know, just con you don't have to sell more, but just consult your patient deeper. Mm. You can actually, you know, be more profitable as a business, but not just shove filler in for the sake of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, Michael Caine spoke about that a lot as well in terms of the, the I think a lot of people don't, they sort of only learn anti-wrinkle to a certain level. Mm. They don't go into that sort of deep understanding of what's achievable and looking beyond just the lines and the wrinkles and yeah. looking at the actual shape of the face. Yeah. And, you know, I, I appreciate it. when you're a new injector, yeah. you can't just, you know, take on all these things. It, it's a it's a progress thing and you eventually learn how to to use the toxin yeah. better and, and also start doing off-label treatments. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And, and do you feel that um, the fillers are lasting longer? I mean, obviously you're doing oh, yeah. the structural work. I mean, I don't think I ever, well, of course, at some point I had no experience, but I don't think I ever believed, you know, what it says in the box, 18 mm. months or 12 months, whatever, yeah. whatever it says. That for me was kind of like a real rough ballpark yeah. just to sort of say to a patient something because they're going to ask the question, how long is it going to last? But yeah, in my experience, if you... Let me qualify this. If you treat someone to the point where they're happy with the result, mm -hmm. then that will last them probably way longer than what mm -hmm. you quote them from, you know, yeah. what it says on the PI in the box. Yeah. Um, but if you underdose someone, they're obviously going to come back saying it didn't work or yeah. it didn't last. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I still think the, if you look at some of the figures from the companies, not, you know, I won't give you names, yeah. but sort of privy to some of the information the filler usage in australia is actually a little bit lower mm -hmm. than you know some international markets whereas actually our toxin usage is wow. like the ratio between toxin and filler is much higher yep. compared to some other territories yep. so yep. i don't know if that's a new thing or not i'm not sure yeah well it's, it's interesting it, I, yeah. I suspect it's driven by you know the, the the bulk of what we sell in this country is through the chain model yeah so how it's advertised and and packages and deals no doubt has an effect on what we sell here and, and what not even just chains but the psyche of the patient is driven by what they've seen advertised yeah so they ask for you know 55 units of botox yeah or 40 yeah. units of botox because because yeah. we see these things advertised and do you think that uh, injectors whether they be doctors or nurses are almost now more aware of the things that can go wrong with filler. They're a bit more cautious with the volumes that they'll put in or patients that they'll treat or areas that they won't attack anymore. Yeah, maybe. Um, you know, you know the work of whether it's Steve Harris or um, Leonie Schelke yeah. talking about ultrasound or, you know, all these influential people talking about filler migration, yeah. alienization, ultrasound, filler lasting longer. Like mm -hmm. I think everyone is aware of some concepts that maybe they weren't before. Mm -hmm. Whether that actually translates to them to people being more cautious, I have no idea. Yeah. I don't know what people do behind closed doors. <laughs> um you know, you still see uh, you know, a lot of people using the Tenzin technique, you know, mm -hmm. to to do what what would be considered, you know, a more of a Russian lip style lip. Yeah. I don't, I don't get to see the results of that yeah. Or, or, yeah. Or, or the good or the bad. Might yeah. be might be great. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the other trends is increased focus on safety and compliance, particularly here in Australia with oh, the, yeah. the regulations that are coming through. So I think everyone's watching their, their P's and Q's a lot more. They're focused on compliance. We've got those big changes rolling around in, what, three weeks now? Is it the 1st of July? Yeah. You, I mean, I don't know if you can sort of really high level summarize the, what's going to change for injectors in Australia. Well... 
In terms of what's going to change for them from a scripting perspective, there's more, uh, I guess, liability now on the scripting doctor to make sure that patient is cleared for treatment from a body dysmorphia perspective. So there's going to be a more involved consultation process with the scripting doctor because the liability for them has increased. It's probably going to be more of a focus for them to ensure that patient is absolutely suitable because there are sort of more consequences now. So I'm not implying that anyone was doing a haphazard job. But I was going to say, I mean, you speak to a lot of injectors. What what is your, if you had to say, what is the average script like from a nurse to a doctor? I mean, I still hear anecdotally that it's a very quick cursory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go go for it. 30 seconds. It can be. It can be. I've, I've had, I've had experiences with both. Right. I've had ones where it's, you know, 10, 15 second call. Hi, you've had everything explained to you. Yep. Cool. See you later. Yeah. And then the other end of the spectrum, which is, you know, like a five minutes at least talking, what have you had done? Okay. You know, just a very in-depth discussion, getting to know you, what your sort of goals are. So I've had both. I think the sensible Which again, if you think about it kind of from maybe a regulator's perspective, they're like five minutes. Yeah. doesn't sound like a lot. Well, it it is. And, (laughs) And I think that, you know, going back to your original question is what is the impact? I think that these extra I's that have to be dotted and T's that have to be crossed are going to slow down yeah. what's possible. Yeah. And especially for these clinics that are super busy that do lots and lots of patients, mm. they're going to find that their efficiency potentially could slow down because of the extra time. So if you added, you know, a couple of minutes to each script or more, yeah, that really adds up at the end of the day, a week, a month, a year. Oh, it yeah. could make an impact on, on your One bottom line. One or two line. patients less yep. a day, 10 yep. a week. Yeah, I think the other impact for injectors is going to be patients that potentially are going to get rejected for not being not being suitable or they or they're going to self-select and just not like the extra scrutiny. Oh, I've got to fill out a BDD form now. I have to have a body dysmorphia uh, assessment. Like mm. I don't feel like I want to do that. So will there be a self will there be patients that just especially I guess new entrants into the market like people that are considering it. Yeah who all of a sudden have to jump through this extra hoop and feel like, you know, they're having a psychological assessment. Well, you could argue that those people never knew any better. Yeah. Maybe that's just, you know, they think, oh, this is normal, whereas it's the regulars who yeah. go, what the hell is this? Yeah. So I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be more of an adjustment period Yeah. as opposed to something that's going to be devastating. I think it's just going to be having getting used to it. And I think there's a lot of positives in a lot of ways because it does start to put more of an emphasis on the fact that this is still a medical procedure because I think especially here in Australia, we have normalized it to almost be like a glorified beauty treatment, which it it isn't. I mean, it isn't, it isn't. I mean, it is still a beautification. It's not medically necessary. Most, Most of the time it goes off without a hitch. There isn't any major complications. You can go back to work afterwards in most cases. So I think that there is some, I do understand why that perception is out there, but at the end of the day, it's just like flying a plane. Yeah. You know, 99.99% of the time it's fine, but when shit goes down, it can go, <laughs> it can go down pretty, pretty scary. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so apart from BDD, mm-hmm. any, uh, you know, any other sort of changes, whether it's procedural or stuff that people have to do behind the scenes? Well, I guess, you know, well, if I was an injector, I'd be looking at, you know, this could just be the beginning of more things to come in terms mm. of regulation. Yeah. You know, once you sort of get your, you know, sort of wedge open the door. Does and- seem to be the underlying feeling that more is coming. Yeah. Well, that's the way it tends to go. This is sort of incremental creep Yeah. of what happens next. So do you want to get your crystal ball out? What do you think is yeah, going to change? I don't, 
I don't know. A lot of people have asked me, do I think that this is the end of sort of telehealth or is that going to be the next thing now? I don't think so. I think it would just be so devastating. I mean, it would wipe out 80% of the industry overnight and it wouldn't yeah. just – I mean, great for people like you, I guess, because you don't have to worry about a scripting doctor, but I think it's really it – would, it would send prices through the roof again. Yeah, and, um, and you know, th there's, you know – thousands and hundreds of thousands of patients who need servicing yeah, yeah. so yeah i mean we, I we, did, we did a, a pretty deep dive episode on this with shirley knoop yeah um and we had a uh, dr Maradi on talking about the changes from a, a surgical perspective but i mean we covered a lot of those changes in depth which goes through and you know sherry lee's on, on the cutting edge of this because she's president of the cna which is the cosmetic nurses association yeah so if you want to i guess find out the, the nitty-gritty of, of what what is actually happening and what is changing go and have a listen to that episode i don't know the number off the top of my head there's a few episodes few episodes ago yeah. but i mean from your perspective what i mean do you see any changes i mean you're you're a doctor so you don't have to worry about scripting. yeah there's anything that's changing for you uh yeah no, sort of an agreement nothing radical just, you know, having to adjust some of our paperwork. Yeah. Um, Marketing, yeah. Yeah, and, and maybe speaking to patients, uh, well, at least for my current patients, sort of telling them that, you know, they might notice just one or two changes in, in the consultation flow or yeah. um, added paperwork. But, you know, nothing's practically going to change. They'll still yeah. come in, have a consultation yeah. and potentially have a treatment. But you're right. I think that nurse-doctor dynamic it's a little bit unknown because yeah. if the onus, I mean, it, it always was on the doctor as this, as the prescriber or the prescribing nurse, but it, it's just much more explicit now yeah. and more risk, more responsibility. And I don't know whether the doctors who are doing it, cause I, I don't do that service, but whether they would feel like they have to charge more for it. Yeah. Well, potentially, yeah. The cost of the script could and then go that up. has an impact on, you know, the profit share and, and everything else. Yeah. Well, I know the guys from fresh who we've, we speak about regularly on the podcast. They're very close to this situation. Yeah, I saw some um, Instagram posts a day or two ago about some discussions they're having on it and some webinars discussing the changes yeah. and how it's going to impact their their clients. So it'd be interesting to see what happens with them because they're kind of, I guess, the market leaders <laughs> when it comes to scripts in Australia from a cosmetic perspective. So yeah, it's going to be very interesting to watch. I think I've had to summarize. I think the changes for the moment seem relatively sensible, but I'm concerned about what does this potentially open the door for in the future in terms of where regulators go from here? Mm. Is this beginning of, uh, of more things? I've had some chats with people about where it might be going yeah. and so I'm stick my neck out here. But <laughs> Do I, it. I kind <laughs> of feel like there, there's been this potential drive. I don't know who's behind this, but to make it harder and harder for scripting to happen. You can't make it illegal, mm -hmm. and I don't think telehealth will go, but it'll just become more and more tricky. Yeah, And it may get to a point where it's not profitable, whether it's time-wise or money-wise. Mm. But I don't know, what do you think? Well, I don't know. I mean, if I look at, say, what's happened in the cosmetic slash plastic surgery space, I know that there's no laws stopping cosmetic surgeons from working, but I know that things like insurance is difficult for them to get now because that's yeah. become a commercial sort of difficult difficult obstacle to overcome so no one's telling you you can't do it but if your insurance premium is half a million dollars a year you're just not going because you're a cosmetic surgeon that's a lot of surgery you got to do to start yeah. making money and so it, it starts to become more of a commercial problem than yeah. a medico legal one 
Yeah, hundred um, percent. Yeah, so we'll watch we'll watch that unfold, but that's definitely a trend. So the focus on safety and compliance, and then you also touched on, on body, body treatments. Yeah, so seeing especially with the collagen stimulators, people starting to recognize the neck, the decolletage, you know, sculpture in the buttocks, people using sculpture in their arms, mm. profilo, you can pretty much stick anywhere. We, you know, we had, um, you know, Ravi Jane and Sophie Schotter on talking about sort of the long-term experiences with profilo. And one of the things that Ravi said was, you know, you can basically stick it anywhere. Yeah, you got skin there, you can yeah. probably put it there. And so starting to see clinics now focus more on on body treatments, which I think is intelligent because bigger areas, more volumes. Yeah. And who wants to have a really rejuvenated face and a haggard body? You want to try and make <laughs> them at least match. So I think there's some opportunities there for the clinics and practitioners to start exploring some of those treatment areas around the body, which tend to get quite damaged. So that that sort of thin area around the decolletage and mm. the neck, the hands. I mean, hands are not new, but really, no, I mean, you, I, you don't you don't see many of them get done. You don't you don't. It's not really. I, a big... I think part of the problem with it is cost. Yeah. Part of the problem with it is most of the treatments are off label, so they're not easily yeah. trained yeah. Or, or poorly trained. Yeah. Um, and you know, patients kind of look at their face, whereas they sort of cover up their body and it's just yeah. easier to ignore yeah um but you know obviously here in australia we tend to be a little bit more naked than your yeah. average yeah average patient so you know maybe we've got a particular market where it is more relevant i don't yeah. know well profilo is bringing out their body syringe they are sorry in new zealand it's new zealand so it's not far away here so they've obviously recognized that there's a market there for it yeah and people want to start exploring those areas so i think that it's an emerging trend yeah that i think anyone that is looking for where opportunities are in the future, start becoming an expert in doing body treatments. Yeah, definitely. Because you just sort of, and it is a niche, I mean, you know, it'd be like learning, I guess, well, maybe you can tell me, I mean, is it a, is it a different sort of skill set? I mean, I guess you've got to know the anatomy of that region. It's probably safer because- you I was going to say, in some ways it's actually quite, well, nothing safe, but certainly safer. Yeah. Less risk of blindness because just because of proximity yes. from the face to the eye or, or yeah. the body to the face. Um, you know, you know, in in your limbs, if you're doing yeah. arms or legs, as long as you're subcutaneous, you're fairly safe. Yeah, and I don't want to sit there and my disclaimer is nothing safe. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. you know, it's not on the face. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, do you think there's any particular product that that you're seeing that's trending, or is it just a general move to biostimulate the body? Yeah. Well, I'm seeing sculpture being done in the arms, like all over the arms, like the tuck shop arms, the forearms. What's a tuck shop arm? When you sort of hang your arm out and it sort of hangs and you've got the crepey skin sort of in your tricep region. In the England, the they call wings. them the bingo wings. The bingo wings, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just like when you went when you're in high school and the tuck shop lady was there and it was the middle of summer and she's just wanted you to qualify. She's toasting your sandwich and you can see the arm sort of. Yeah, you're you know, showing dangling. your age now in the tuck shop. Yeah, <laughs> the tuck shop. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So yeah, I, I'm I'm seeing and I, I've, I've, it's not mainstream yet, but it's starting to become more prevalent. So I think yeah. and I, and I think it should be an area where clinics focus on if i from a business perspective i think um i gather you might be involved in a new product being launched well yeah so guri gorgeous guri is coming out soon and i'm having is it my, called gorgeous guri it is called gorgeous guri <laughs> okay so products called guri so i think it's korean yes it is g-o-u-r-i yes and um our good friend dr dana lim from shape clinic in sydney has been on the forefront of trials here in australia and sort of 
been working with it quite a bit and she's had some really positive things to say. I always mm. get this wrong. It's a polycaprolactone, colactone? Lactone, yeah. Lactone. So It's a polymer, so yeah. Yeah, so like there's a product already called Alansi available yeah. here in Australia. I understand that is microcapsules yeah. of polycaprolactone, which is, as far as I understand it, similar to the, the suture material yeah. that surgeons would use. But that's suspended in in another sort of gel carrier, whereas Guri is liquid polycaprolactone. So yeah. no no spheres or particles, it's a liquid. Yeah. So it's slightly different. Yeah. So I'm having some treatment <clears throat> on the fourth of July. I might even film it and on your put, butt? Where are you doing it? Oh, on my face, sort of I want to like try and I don't like the idea of I like having a few little lines around yeah. the crow's feet. I don't want to knock them out. With, with toxins. And so I'm going to focus on that and just the neck and maybe some decolletage. So apparently it can be an uncomfortable treatment. Mm. So um, Dr. Dana has agreed to use local to, okay. <laughs> to make enough. it more comfortable. So I'll probably film it and I'll put it up on our hints and tips or some of the bonus content that we do for our yeah, patrons. So that uh, jokes aside, I mean, yeah. I've joked about your collagen banking in the past, yeah. but what, what do you think has been the most efficacious treatment or worthwhile treatment so far? You've done RF needling, you've done, uh, you know, monothreads. God, it's hard to know because I, do so, I, I don't know what's working because I do so much. I've done your neck before. <laughs> you my neck. And I skin needle at home regularly too. Every sort of couple of months I'll attack the neck, <laughs> right. the decolletage, look like a burns victim for a few days. Um, I don't know because I've done so many. It'd be hard for me to pinpoint which one has actually done the job. Yeah, I'm just doing it all, hoping that some of it works. Seventy-five percent filler, five <laughs> percent thread, twenty percent water. Exactly. <laughs> so, Fair but I'll be interested to see how, how it goes. Apparently, the results are, are really good. So, um, if Dana's excited about it, then I'm excited about it. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see um, what happens. Funny enough, just uh, I saw something online today. Uh, some of the guys who I did the MD codes with in Bangkok, yeah. they're also. KOLs for Guri oh, yeah. in uh, Thailand. What they have to say? Well, I, to I didn't speak much about it, but we, we should maybe get them on yeah. to get their international That's experience. For sure, yeah, we've had it for a long time. Teaching it, sort of, um, you know, in their own country. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Tell me about competition. So what, that's the next slide. Yeah, competition. So just to sort of cover the three main topics. So we're talking about the chain clinics uh, continuing to commoditize the industry. Mm -hmm. um, I think that talking about chain clinics again. We have seen them losing a lot of their skilled and experienced injectors. There are still some great people out there in, in the in the chain clinic space, but I think it's hard to deny that we have seen an exodus of skill out of those businesses. I, I guess it's more just a case of people like Fresh mm -hmm. allowing, yeah. you know, nurse injectors, obviously, because that's who they support, being able to yeah. be independent injectors easily. Yeah, It's not, it's, it's not a, a criticism of the chains. It's more just a reality of the market. Yeah. I mean, look, uh, you know, the chain clinics do a lot of things well. I think that there's opportunities for them to have done things better. You know, I don't want to sit here and, and sort of bash anyone in particular, but I think having been involved in them and understanding what the nurse psyche is and, and where people want to take their career from a progression perspective, mm. I can see that there are some opportunities that were missed, which probably could have, which probably could have held on to some people. But mm. uh, be that as it may, the market is still moving. And so people like Fresh that have offered the scripting service that allows nurses to guide on their own has seen the landscape of competition change almost overnight and yeah. change in a in a in a profound in a profound way, and that has then created a lot more solo competition. So, mm. probably than, worth saying yeah. as well. There's more than just fresh. There's InstaScript. Yes. There's other uh, options around, yeah. for nurses out there, and you know, and you go online onto Facebook, and I often people ask, 
you know, what's better or what's the difference? And there seems to be a number of them. Yeah. Um, so there's choice. It's, yeah. not, it's not just even one choice. Now. Yeah. Or you might even have doctors that are willing to script for you on a sort of more sort of bespoke basis rather than going through one of the companies. So yeah. it's just become, I guess, more accepted now. It's more mainstream. And so mm. more people are doing it, which means more and more people are going to do it. Sort of yeah. becomes like a, a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. And so that has radically changed the marketplace. Mm. Um, the competition has you know, ex increased exponentially. H how did you mean that the chains are continuing to commoditize? Oh, well, so in just in terms of, you know, they're not doing anything to sort of increase price. So the price, there's always a, okay. there's always a, so a still, push. I guess, what's the word? Yeah. It's affordable, but also accessible. Accessible, exactly. Yeah. And so that, that, I guess what I mean by commoditizing, it's not a rare sort of hard to get hold of treatment. You can pretty much walk down your street, depending on where you are. With if multiple you're in, if you're, if you're like in a major, in your major city. Yeah you don't have to drive too far or walk too far to find a service provider that does these treatments. And so the more available something is, the more of it yeah. that there is, that in a lot of instances will decrease the price because prices is, is, is determined by supply versus demand. Yeah. And so when there's more supply, then it means the price inevitably goes down. So that doesn't mean everyone has to put their price down, but sort of making these treatments so easy to come by means that people value them less because it's less rare. Potentially, yeah. Yeah. Obviously, as I said- And they you're, shop you're, around. You're gonna, yeah, they're going to shop around. They're going to be, if you know, if they weren't super happy with the first time they went in, they've now got options. They can walk next door and, and get a different experience. So yeah. patients are probably more fickle to a certain extent because they have options. I mm. mean, if you think about, you know- you know, as a guy where you get your hair cut, well, I do my own, but I'm kind of, <laughs> when, when I used to get it cut, I mean, I wasn't really too fussed yeah. because you could go anywhere and get it. You know, it's, it's not rocket science. You can go get your hair cut. Oh, in, I've in had some places. bad ones in Sydney, too. Yeah. Have you? I'm, I'm a bit particular about my hair. Oh, really? Where do you get your hair done? I go to I Theo's Barbershop in Kingsford. In Kingsford? Shout okay. out to Theo. You're, I know you don't listen, but I'm going to shout you out anyway. Yeah. He does a yeah. good job. You like it? Look, he's a Greek guy. And look, what I, I found have is- I guess with a name like Theo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I have found there are different styles of haircuts yeah. and I like a Mediterranean barber. Right, okay. That's what yeah. I'm going to say. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Each to their own. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you, in your chats with you know nurses and, and business mm. uh, inject sorry clients that you've spoken to, we've obviously now had a few years where they've been allowed to go out of the chains and, and mm -hmm. work independently, whatever. Do you think there will be kind of a new cycle where a proportion of those nurses realize, actually, this isn't for me? Yes. Um, I, I want to collaborate or maybe even go back to the chains mm -hmm. or, or yeah. something. Yeah, absolutely. I think that there will be a proportion of people out there who, even if it doesn't, I'm not saying that they weren't successful. It might just be that they didn't realize how much work it was. Mm. They don't want to deal with doing staff day-to-day <laughs> -day management, yeah. um, being responsible for all the bills. So I, I think that, I think it's important for people to have a crack at their own business. I think it's, it's an admirable um, challenge to, to sort of, put in front of yourself and try and be successful at it, but it's mm. not for everybody. And there's no shame in saying, look, I've tried business. It wasn't really for me, or I don't really want to have the full responsibility of a, of a, of a full clinic. Yeah. And maybe I just want to go back and I'm quite happy working with someone else. And so in some instances, it might make them appreciate what they had before. Yeah. 
by going back and being under the, you know, within the infrastructure of, of, of something that already exists where you're not responsible for everything, you're just responsible for your patients and everything's you done inject. for you. Yeah. That's what you're good at. And so I think there will be a percentage of people that will, for whatever reason, whether it's because they haven't been successful or they've just realized it's too much hard work and they can have a much easier existence on their own, yeah. that there will be a number of them that will return to either the chain clinics or other sort of more bespoke I uh, still businesses. think, I can't remember what podcast I mentioned it on, I think it was with Bobak ages mm. ago, Yeah, a shared space where you can still be an independent injector and have your own room on your day, mm. but a shared responsibility, sorry, a shared, um, you know, for example, reception, Yeah, shared buying power by, yeah, you can still use Fresh if you want or yeah. someone else, Yeah, but a, sh a sort of more of a collaborative effort yeah. where you could still be yourself, Yeah, but shared costs yeah like a um like, like a, a like a we work kind of yeah. place but for injectors yeah yeah i think it's a good idea i've spoken to a few injectors who who sort of wanted to think what i who wanted to see what i thought about i think it's a great concept i think the concept is is great mm. it's going to come down to execution yeah oh exactly there's, there's no shortage of good business ideas out there but turning an idea into a reality and doing it successfully it's sort of it's a much different proposition so yeah i think it does have legs it just depends on who's involved where you do it, how well it's planned, how well it's executed. Yeah. That's really going to sort of be what's important. 100%. We yeah. need a sugar daddy. Any sugar daddies out there who want to fund it? <laughs> I can think of one. <laughs> um, now, let's talk about the economy because yeah. th this is relevant. Yes. Um, yesterday, I had a funny day. I, I hadn't had a day like this, this in a long time. And I, don't, I had no idea what happened, but I had like four or five in a row either not show up or cancel and you know, numerous reasons, but none of them don't want to come. I, I don't know if there's mm. a quirk in the system, but mm -hmm. it just made me think, ooh, is this is this the first hint for me of an economical impact? I, I have no idea. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, you and me have spoken to, to lots of injectors around the country, and I think that the litmus test is, sure, there is a little bit of hesitancy, mm. sorry, hesitancy from patients to part with their money now. Mm. Um, there are injectors with either gaps or, or quieter clinics. Um, it's it's not so much that people don't want to spend, but there's a little bit of un, un, unsure, unsure sort of times. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're not quite sure where we are. Yeah. I, I'm hearing this all the time from different people, from different segments of the market, people that work in chain clinics, people that have got very, very high end, you know, charging $18 a unit tox type of price. $18 Australian. And they're all sensing a lot of weirdness going on. They're still busy. They're still making money, but they're getting a lot of cancellations. Or people hopping about. Hopping stretching about. Stretching out. Stretching out. Um, Cancelling at the last minute. There's also like a bit of a nasty virus that's going around in True. Sydney at the moment. Winter's coming. I always wanted to say that on a podcast. Um, <laughs> winter is coming. And so people are getting sick. Their kids are getting sick. Yeah. You've got tax time coming up. It's half so, term. Yeah. So I think it's a lot of sort of confounding fact, like sort of compounding factors that are, that are causing this. But of course, you only have to turn on the news and see we've got, you know, World War Three on, on the brink of breaking out. <laughs> breaking out. I don't want to laugh about it. It's terrifying. Um, that makes a lot of people scared. We've got inflation that's that's doing its thing and making everything more expensive for people. Interest rates just got announced going up again last week that yeah. that's going to impact people and then you've got that sort of then leads to unstable or unsure consumer confidence i mean 
of course, we've had what twelve or so interest rates in a in a row almost. Yeah. Where there was one gap, but I think this last one for a lot of people was the the straw that broke the camel's back. Mm. It seems to have irritated a lot of people. Yeah, um, and and affected people financially. It's sort of like their their you know their their tolerance has been yeah. met. Well, everyone everyone's got a breaking point. Yeah, and it's been successive increases plus inflation is still moving yeah and so this the economy runs on confidence yeah. do you know what i mean by that yeah yeah as in if you believe something's getting better your just willingness to part with your dollar yeah. and spend just yeah. gets better and because everything's connected if you have enough inertia moving in a certain direction that then flows on to the rest of the economy so even if you're in a segment of the market that is unaffected at the moment at some point your customers, customers, customers yeah. will start to be impacted and that sort of just, you know, rolls up the food chain until it affects you. So I think it's a lot of factors. I think it is, yeah, what's going on around the world, inflation, interest rates, and just people being uns unsure about the future. Yeah. And so I think now is as good a time as any or the most important time in recent, in recent years to really pay attention, really understand your business. And we'll get to this, you know, a little bit later in, in the chat around getting on top of your financials, understanding basic concepts like what is your break-even point every week? How much do you need to make every week to keep your doors open? Understand what that figure is. Where can you potentially cut costs that are unnecessary or can you do things more intelligently to, to make your business more profitable? Yeah. You know, are all the people that work in your business necessary? Are they pulling their weight? Are they making the money that they need to to justify their existence in your business? How are you taking steps to ensure that your patients keep coming back, even if they're spending less. Yeah. How do you make sure that they, they don't stop coming, but maybe they spend less or they, you know, they stretch their treatments out, but they still remain loyal patients of yours. How do you attract new patients? How do you consult better? How do you like all these? And I've sort of given away the slide now, but I mean, <laughs> um, it's important. The, 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 now's the most important time to really get your head around those things. Clinical application of treatments is obviously paramount. And I think that's just a given. I, I make those statements with the assumption that everyone's doing things clinically correct. Yeah. But after that, this is almost as important and in some ways as important from, but from a different perspective. Yeah. It's funny how many injectors, and maybe they don't know the different because they've worked in a chain and everything sort of just happens. But when you go independent, you can't just sort of sit idle in your clinic if it's quiet. You've got to do something. Yeah. And I think most relevant was Rick's four episodes yeah. that he did with us. Yeah. I mean, there are so many levers and, and knobs that you can turn and pull and, and do yeah. to get your visibility up, yeah. get more bums on seats, get Google to work with you. Yeah. Automation. Um, automation. Yeah, there's just so many things that you can do, but not one on their own is going to make a yeah. difference. Yeah. Um, and yet, you know, I just sort of hear injectors asking the same questions over yeah. and over again. Yeah. And just to sort of reference, so we did a four-part mini-series with Rick O'Neill from the United Kingdom, where you're from, um, and his company's called Look, Touch, Feel, yeah. Yeah. and he sort of specialises in digital marketing and everything to do with the, uh, I guess, well, digital side of your business, your website, your marketing. And so we did a four-part mini-series on, on all different aspects, such as Google, your website, things like automation. So if you miss those, go and check them out. They weren't too long ago. We'll just do a, a search on Rick O'Neill or yeah. Digital Deep Dive. I think the first one was 192, but don't, I mean, I mean the seriously, don't just listen. Have a notepad and pen yeah. and write down 
I don't know, five bullet points per episode or ten, yeah. and literally act on them. Yeah. Your next quiet day, do something. I mean, do you need all those people working in your business if you're able to automate a lot of those processes? So I'm not here telling people to go and fire their staff. <laughs> I'm just saying have a look at how you can increase your efficiency yeah. and make your business work for you. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So, so yeah. I, I guess what you were saying just before we sort of went, went off on a tangent was working, <laughs> as we do, <laughs> as we do um, improving patient um, experience yeah. and, and matching their expectations. Yeah, or exceeding them. Well, well yeah, exactly, or exceeding yeah. them, but at least equaling them. Yeah. So what do you think injectors can do to, to sort of improve the value of, of their yeah. offering? Yeah, and so this this is an interesting topic because price and value, I think people see as one and the same. Mm. And there is some crossover, but it's it's not exactly right. So value, you could have something that's extraordinarily expensive. Let's just... Let's just use one that most listeners could probably um, relate to. Let's talk about a Chanel handbag. I won't talk about a Ferrari because I know most of our listeners are female. Let's, let's talk about a, a Chanel handbag, right? It's, it's a, sexist. Well, is it? People like driving cars whether they're male okay. or female. Well, okay, we'll talk about a Ferrari and a, <laughs> and a Chanel handbag. They're very expensive. Very, very expensive. They're not cheap. The price is high. Yeah. But people buy them because they see value in what they're getting. They're getting a high-quality piece of... Um, you know, motor motorsport, or they're getting an expensive piece of is is a handbag considered a piece of clothing, or what is it? It's an accessory. I think it's an accessory. accessory. Yeah. Either way, it's extremely well made. It's got a lot of prestige with the brand. It's going to last you a long time. So people purchase those things for the value. They feel mm. that the money that they're paying is worth what they're getting in exchange. Yeah. And so you can apply the same principle to injecting. So there are injectors like yourself and many others around the country who charge in the upper tier of price. Mm -hmm. So price is a factor, but because of what you're able to deliver in terms of your aesthetic outcomes, the experience that the patient has with every touch point of your business from calling to booking online, to interacting with your social media, your website, when they turn up and are greeted by the reception, the way the clinic looks, the way that people talk to them, mm. the way that you make them feel, the consultation process, how caring you are, how thorough you are, all those kinds of things are what we should be looking at and sort of scrutinizing to see whether there's any opportunities to improve. Yeah. And so even if you've got a successful business, you should be constantly looking for ways to do things better. Complacency is a killer. Yeah. And just what worked, because your patients love you today and they keep coming to you today, doesn't mean they're going to come to you tomorrow because someone else could open up around the corner mm. who gives people, who give your patients better value. Yeah. So, so when you consult with injectors yeah. about their business, yeah. do, you, do you find that those things are often skipped, missed, un, not thought about? Uh, it's it's a mixed bag. Mm. Some people are extremely shrewd operators and extremely uh, close to their businesses and understand exactly what their competition's doing. They get secret shoppers through their business and, and get some real honest feedback about what the patient experience is like because it's really easy when you're there day in, day out, going through the motions, things get normalized and you almost become immune or blind <laughs> to what's actually the patient experience and what it's like. So it's a mixed bag. Some people are really onto it. Some people aren't. And so if you're busy and you haven't paid attention to those things, then that's great. But let's secure that. <laughs> let's make sure the situation remains like that. So things like, as I sort of alluded to, doing secret shopper reports, that can be a friend or a family member. You sort of list out a lot of, and I do this with a lot of my, a lot of my clients. I've got some templates I've worked on. Um, 
to sort of run through all the major checkpoints or things that are important to you and your business that you want to get feedback on. So yeah. what was the booking experience like? How quickly did someone pick up the phone? What, you know, all, you know, right from beginning, right till they walk out and receive their post-care information and make their next booking. And so getting some feedback on that on a constant basis, even for yourself, even if it's a solo injector, it's confronting, but I mean, it's just like, like I'm, I'm playing music at the moment and I've gone back to an instrument that I hadn't played for 20 years and playing something and recording it and listening to it back. It's actually, it's quite difficult. It's, it's really confronting because when you're there, you're playing, you're like, oh, that sounds great. And you hear it back, you go, that was rubbish. It's like that me was, listening to a podcast that was when I have to edit them. That was, <laughs> that was terrible. Yeah. And so a lot of people shy away from the feedback because it's, it's almost- it's too confronting. It's too confronting to hear that or yeah. see it. Um, but you either ignore it and pretend it doesn't exist and pay the price of losing patience or not having the, the secure business that you think you do mm. or just bite the bullet and- understand that no one's perfect we can all do things better yeah and the sooner you face reality the sooner you can take steps to improve it so i think that reflection and, and that secret shopper experience is really important to keep your finger on the pulse with your business well, I, and, I think we all know injectors who are i mean this in the nicest way maybe they're the, the most highly skilled injectors yeah. but everything else is great yeah the experience is great care's great patients are yeah. looked after and they're busy yeah and you could have the most highly skilled technical injector who just doesn't do all the other things yeah. and they're not busy. Yeah. Another idea is to sort of develop focus groups with your client base. So everyone out there has probably got, could rattle off or name 10 patients who've been coming to them for a while that they're invested in you and your business. They like what you do and you've developed a relationship with them. I mean, think about things like you might do a focus group one night where you Hey, hey, look, you're one of my most loyal, long-standing patients. I'd really love your feedback on my business. Why do you come to me? Yeah. What could I do better? What irritates you? Yeah. Um, and those people will go, oh my God, this person really cares. Care, cares about like this person cares about my opinion. They yeah. want to know. And it'll make them, those 10 people or what X number of people, will all of a sudden develop an even stronger relationship with you and your business because you've taken the time to care what they have to say and think. Well, and they'll provide you with feedback that- What do you think you, about mm, scaling that in an anonymous survey? Because I reckon you get more honest answers if it's not in person. I think uh, try every strategy. Yeah. Um, whatever works. <laughs> you might get some answers that you don't want, but yeah. at least you hear from people what they actually think. Yeah. So I think- how. It, I guess the underlying message is get feedback from your patients, yeah. no matter, you know, whichever way you want to do it, but constantly look at ways to reevaluate how you're doing things because there have been plenty of massive companies in the world that have become complacent and no longer exist. So yeah. it can happen to them. It can happen to you. 100%. So not to scare anyone. It's an opportunity. You can either see it as an opportunity or, or a threat Yeah. and it's both, but try and look at the positive, look at it as well. I've now got some tangible things that I can do to make my business run better and give my patients a better experience. Well, that nicely leads yeah. on to your top three tips mm. from your talk in the current market. Yeah, okay. So your first one was defining your X factor. I remember we first covered this yeah. with Penny yeah. in like oh, episode five or something. That was when we were doing them in person and, yeah. we, had, and we had a couch. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, what, what, what do you mean by X factor and how okay. do you define it? So everyone has got something about them that is unique. Mm -hmm. It might be 
your British accent. It might be, Hello. you know, that might get the, it might be the sexy Mediterranean <laughs> haircuts that you get. <laughs> it might be your, uh, your, your dress sense. It might be the way you communicate. It might be something quirky. You might have a great sense of humor. You might be really great at um, making people laugh and building rapport. Um, then you might have a particular treatment that you think you do better than anyone else that patients seem to come to you for. So I think everyone looks at competition then and tries to emulate them. Yeah. And I think that's great to a point, but no one can be you. Yeah. Everyone has got something unique about them or a skill that they've got that no one else has or something they do better than most people. Yeah. So I think it's about, and th you know, this might come, you know, sort of dovetail into what we spoke about previously in terms of getting feedback from, from your clients, mm. find out or identify what it is about you that makes you unique and special out of all the com competitors that are out there. Why does the, why has the patient chosen to come to you and continue to come to you? What is that? And find out what that is and then double down on it, embrace that. Don't shy away. So if you're really great at lips, like you just kill the lip game, like you're awesome at lips, you do, okay, make that your thing. Yeah. Maybe you do really good cheeks. Maybe your tox is like off the chain. Like you do better tox than anyone else. You've got lower face under control. You're really good at adjusting the shape of people's of people's faces and heads and you've and your dosing's <laughs> on point and you never get like I'm I'm just talking, I'm just yeah, sort of yeah. talking off the cuff. But whatever it is, find out what that is that makes you unique. And emphasize that yeah. so you can't be everything to everyone don't try and copy what dr jake does or what you know whatever you know big name injector that you might know and follow and, and sort of try and emulate it's good to be influenced by people but no one can be you yeah i totally agree and and in fact something that comes up regularly is often people you know they're obviously like that in person but yeah and their social media they become vanilla yeah they, they sort of become like every other injector they don't actually present themselves as themselves I, I i can i can attest that you're a judgy asshole all the time yeah pretty much <laughs> no but what i mean is that if you want to get the patients that you want if you want to build that sort of you know tribe mentality yeah. of getting the right people through your door but also showing your personality and and whatever i think it's important to advertise that explicitly yeah um rather than you know yeah. hoping that they come to your clinic or pretending to be something that you're not yeah because people people have really good bullshit radars and I think we're all these days drawn to authenticity. Yeah. And so if you try and be something that you're not, you're going to probably attract the patients that you don't really want either. Correct. And so if you're just yourself, you'll self-select, you'll self-filter your patients and you'll have a, a calendar full or a book full of patients that you like yeah. and they've got, they, they, they're, on your, they're on your team, they get your aesthetic, they love what you do. And you're not like it's exhausting trying to act and be someone else. It's yeah. exhausting, if you, if particularly when you constantly get patients that I don't mean you don't want to treat, but sometimes they're not quite your age bracket that you that you really excel at, yeah. or they're asking for treatments that you do less of. Yeah, you know, it just makes your life more difficult. And yeah, you know, you don't want to get people who you're having to say no to. I yeah. mean, it, it always happens sometimes, but. Yeah. The less you can do of that, the more productive your day is. Yeah, exactly. You don't and need happier. to. You don't need. Not everyone needs to like you. Yeah, and not everyone needs to be your patient. <laughs> yeah, um, you sort of touched on personal branding, yeah. but you know how you communicate, how you dress, but even how you decorate your clinic yeah. and the way it smells, the way it looks, the paraphernalia, the color of the paint, the music that's in there, the lighting. Yeah, all those things. So it's all tells that you want that story that you're trying to tell or the the image that you're trying to perceive you're trying to portray to be consistent. Yeah. You know, don't turn turn, you know, turn out 
come out of the room in like flip-flops, you know, and a singlet and then have this, you know, really sort of decked out, <laughs> opulent, high-end, it sort of, it doesn't match. Yeah, I know what so, you mean. So it's about, maybe a bad example, but it's about being consistent. So finding out what is the type of brand that you're trying to create yeah. and be consistent with it. Definitely. Yeah, and that's the message I was, and yeah. Um, this was a really interesting point that you covered in your talk was yeah. personal development. And I think it's probably the most ignored thing yeah. particularly for an industry or a specialty where we, there is no syllabus yeah. no qualification no continuity no career path really yeah it's something that you really have to explicitly drill down on and and get your peers and, and maybe mentors to to sit you down and, and formalize it in some yeah. way yeah so how, how do you recommend i mean you've managed injectors yeah. and whatever like how did you used to do it well, I, I, the first thing was making sure that I had the right people on my team to begin with that yeah. that gave want me to get better. that want to get better and have high expectations of themselves and where they wanted to take their career. So I think it's just first of all identifying that you're the right person, you're in the right job, mm. and that you're in it for the right reasons, and that you want to be the best. Yeah, whatever the best means to you. Um, so committing to continued education and not just when it comes to clinical application of, of treatment and technique about everything that you're doing, mm. um, as particularly on the business side, as I've alluded to um, previously, um, constantly reflect and improve on your work. And that sort of ties back into what I was saying with, you know, when I was recording myself playing music, you know, talking to patients, getting feedback, looking for ways you can constantly do things better, reflect your own cases. Yeah, Go back and, you know, once a week, pull out, two or three treatments that you did, look at before and after photos, look at what you did, you know, away from the clinic, not in that environment, not stressed, and actually have a think about how you potentially could have done things better, how you could have, or how you could have handled a situation that went badly where a patient got the shit so they didn't go ahead with treatment or you had an argument and it, it's, there's always things to reflect and improve upon. So I think just taking those opportunities to look at the things that haven't gone right or that need improvement. Yeah. You, you saw, you've almost got to be hungry and um, determined to find things wrong so that you can improve or things that could be done better. Yeah. I think this is what our Patreon community has really yeah. allowed people to share better because yeah. there's no judgment. Yeah. We don't care. We're just you know people on a WhatsApp group. But yeah. at the end of the day, we'll give you honest, supportive feedback yeah. on, on about how you can either deal with a problem, a complaint, something didn't go quite right. Um, it's also something I'm doing with the people who are coming yeah. to shadow me. Yeah. So we'll have a breakfast meeting before. And of course, you know, I want to get to know them and, and what they want to learn, but also what hasn't gone well this year. Yeah. Well, I mean, if, if you look at, let just look at, take elite athletes, take someone like Michael Jordan or Novak Djokovic or someone who's at the, that was at, is or was at the top of their game. And you start to like watch documentaries on these people and watch what the lengths they go to to improve. To improve, watching tape on themselves, looking at, you know, getting critique on their technique. They didn't become the best because they were the most talented. I think you get to a point where everyone's pretty equally talented. You'll get outliers every now and again, but they didn't become the best just because of the God-given talent. Yeah. They had to be obsessed yeah. and constantly reflect and look for ways to do things better. And the same applies to this. I know I've said this story on the podcast once before, but yeah. I love the story. Um, have you ever heard of the story of the British cycling team? No. So, is this a joke? No. No, this is real. So, <laughs> yeah. in the Olympics, they were basically useless. Yeah. Uh, apart from like, you know, 100 years ago where they probably won their first yeah. gold medal, but they never medaled for like close to 100 years. Yeah. And because the Olympics was going to be in London 2012, mm. 
they decided, what are we going to do about this? And so from, I think, 2004 to 2012, they put in a, a deliberate, exactly what you're saying, looking at everything that isn't going well and 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 somehow actioning it, yeah. making it better. So it was a concept of what they call marginal gains. Mm. So literally they made 1% changes on everything yeah. from obviously the cycle design, but also what they wore, how they dealt with people who were sick. So they you know, got rid of people who were sick in the workplace. So yeah. everyone else is more efficient, diet, training, like everything. Yeah. And so I, I love putting this into an injector's sort of perspective because if you look around your room, if you look at all your friction points, if you work on everything and make that one yeah. difficult thing or thing that you're not good at, 1%, the overall sum of those gains is huge. Yeah. So if you just literally sit down and critique your last six months where you go, okay, how many complaints did I get? How many complications did I get? How many times did I accidentally you know, push over my Botox file and waste <laughs> that Botox? Anything <laughs> yeah. that didn't go well, yeah. what are you going to do about it so it never happens again? Yeah. And you know, some things you can't manage and some things you can. But I think if you actually think about it explicitly, you can put some changes in place. Yeah. I think for me, it's, I want to be better tomorrow than I am today. Yeah. And if you do that over a period of time, it might seem like it's incremental, and it, but it, it's compounding. Yeah. And, oh. it's, and it's also becomes a habit. Yeah. I, yeah. I didn't finish the story. Oh, sorry. And, and so after all those changes, the the British cycling team have dominated ever since. Wow. Just gold after gold after gold. There you go. So there you go. There you go. That's a bit of inspiration yeah, for no, you. Yeah, that's great. Um, um, building your community. Um, and I guess, you know, it gets back to like things or initiatives that we've done with things like the Patreon group and building that global worldwide community. There's about, there's about 215 people on there now, last yeah. time I checked. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't have to be the only thing, just your local community, people that you see at conferences, exchange details, stay in touch, catch up, create a support network around you because it's a very lonely um, journey for a lot of injectors who are out there on their own. Yeah. Um, it can be a bit nasty. It can be competitive. So just find like-minded people and build a positive community of people around you that are going to help you when you're feeling down. They're going to help celebrate your successes with you and be there for you when you need support and guidance with things that go wrong because no one knows everything Yeah, and we all make mistakes. So yeah. you know, the community is really important. And you're human beings. We're social creatures. We need community. Well, something yeah. that we were talking about yesterday in our Patreon group was in my hospital days, you know, surgery, once a month we had a meeting called the M&M meeting, morbidity and mortality. Yes. So how many people died and how many people had complications? Yeah. And to be honest, sometimes it was a really prickly kind of awkward mm. uh, thing where basically consultants would bite chunks out of each other and criticize each other. Mm. However, you, you know, you're basically voicing what didn't go right. well. Mm -hmm. So I did wonder whether, you know, it can't work for all injectors, but maybe you find your own local group of, I don't know, 10 injectors mm. and you, you could do it over a coffee or you could do it virtually on a Zoom, but you do a similar thing. What things went shit for you that month yeah and you'll talk about it i think one of the most valuable things is to share that mostly things are quite common yeah. you just assume it only happens to you yeah but once you realize that oh you also get fucked up patients as well yeah or you had a complication it makes you feel better just to talk about it yeah but then also to talk about the strategies of what did you do about it and yeah. if you don't i don't know have ultrasound maybe you find someone who does locally and yeah. all those little networks start growing yeah. from just talking about it yeah and also being brave enough to share your disasters and things that have gone wrong will encourage other people to share. Yeah. <laughs> so it sort of becomes this self-perpetuating kind of situation. And the other thing quickly was just sort of surround yourself with inspiring people 
Mm. So people that do things better than you are more successful than you. They've got more insights on things. So, you know, you become the average of the people that you spend the most time with. So, you know, wherever there's an opportunity to sort of build community and and your network of, of, of sort of close friends and colleagues, take advantage of that. Definitely. Now, we've sort of touched on some of these points and, and yeah. certainly on different podcasts, but just you, you mentioned understanding your patient journey. Mm. I mean, I really do think it's a great exercise to either do the the um, mystery shopper kind of yeah. thing. Basically, someone who doesn't under, understand your industry yeah. or your website or, yeah. or how it all works, because that's when you get some honest yeah. feedback where you know there might be a weird loophole on your website where they just can't work out how to yeah. book or yeah. something as silly as that that you think is so obvious yeah. but you know if you can really tap into the psyche of how does a patient feel about this whole experience i think you, you'll notice some little things yeah. that you can tweak yeah absolutely if you don't know you can't fix it yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely so um results versus expectations so this is a pretty common sense one. I mean, understanding what your patient's expectations are, which is, I guess, part of the consultation process, being able to read between the lines, your experience, seeing similar situations that now give you an understanding of how to deal with that type of person or that type of treatment modality in the future or difficult personality type. Yeah. Um, and trying to exceed those expectations. And, that, and that's kind of where you start to make yourself irreplaceable is by offering people things they can't get anywhere else. So if you're continually exceeding at people's expectations in whatever way that is, it's an important mindset to get to get sort of mm. but be, implemented. I, I guess the one caveat would be I would under-promise but try to over-deliver. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, don't tell them I'm going to exceed your expectations. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, that's just the clinical side of things. But just in terms of, you know, you can be exceeding someone's expectations in terms of, everything that comes up to treatment and after treatment yeah. you can you can there's those things that you can do all the time yeah. to you know so i was talking to someone the other day around you know before and after uh sorry pre and post care notes and i said well why don't you film them yeah rather than sending someone out another bloody email yeah. that they might not read do something personal create a series of videos where you're going to Say it. Say it. So you send someone a post-care video. Hey, I just did your lips. It was great to see you. This is what you need to know. That's exceeding someone's expectations. Wow, I didn't expect that. Yeah, I was definitely. expecting another boring bloody PDF that I got to read. That I didn't read and I just signed and yeah. I didn't understand what I was so, you doing. Know, so, that, that, you know, just simple things like that um, that exceed people's expectations. It doesn't have to be anything groundbreaking or out of control or expensive. Definitely. Yeah. Now, part of the patient journey, and I know we've – yeah probably said this a million times but rebooking patients <laughs> I, for me it's like a fundamental keystone of my whole journey of patients but also my business yeah. um why do people find it so difficult because they do it the wrong way so how do they, what do you well mean? so what will happen and i've seen this there are hundreds maybe more of times in my career patient will walk out with the injector they'll pay their money and they'll say do you want to rebook <laughs> yeah and the patient's like, no, no, I'll give you a call. Yeah. Okay, bye. Yeah. And that's it. And they repeat that process. And then all of a sudden they get sick of being told no. So they stop doing it. Yeah. And they create this mental barrier. Yeah. That, you know, because it's rejection. Yeah. People don't like to be rejected. Uh-huh. And eventually it becomes tiring and you stop doing it. So what's the Jedi mind trick? Well, it's, it's, it's pretty simple. I mean, it's, it's just a mindset shift, which is that you're the healthcare practitioner you want to ensure that patient has continuity of care and they're coming to you. People don't just get Botox once 
and then stop. Yeah. I mean, they do, but like that'd be like less than 1% of people that get it, right? So let's just assume for the sake of this discussion that people that start these treatments generally don't stop. Yeah. So if they're not coming back to you, where are they going? Yeah. Are you just assuming they're going to come back to you? So I think it's first of all, getting your head around the fact that it's your responsibility to ensure that that patient is on a journey with you. And that comes back to your first consultation yeah. where you're understanding what the patient needs are, what their expectations are, what you can deliver as a practitioner and developing a long-term plan. Yeah. So I think that's the first mental hurdle to overcome is that this is a, this is the first step in a, a lifelong journey. Yeah. Um, talking to patients about what the next step looks like. So during, it's sort of about planting seeds during the, the treatment and the consultation process. So this is step one today. This is what we're planning to do in six months from now or three months from now, or we'll get you back in two weeks, then we'll take the next step. So it's all about, I mean, I'll, you could probably speak to this better than I can because you actually do these treatments, <laughs> but in terms of actually just planning out what the next step look like, and it, and it doesn't have to be, we're going to stick six mils of filler in, in you next time. It could just be, I'll see you in, you know, I like to see my patients every two to three months for their regular toxin treatments. This is the reason why I want to keep you constant. We don't want you to sort of wax and wane between looking treated and not treated. I get really busy. This is what all my patients do. We'll take care of that when we go outside. So it's all about planting that seed. I think you've been listening to my consults. Oh, That's exactly go. what I told you. Oh, there you go. Um, <laughs> planting that seed when they're in the treatment with you. So they've already got that expectation in their mind. Yeah. And when you walk them out to reception, then it's it's just an assumption. Yeah. It's think, just an assumption. Think of what your dentist does. Yeah. They don't say, would you like to come in six months? They say, we're booking you in. Yeah. You, you need to do this again. Yeah. And it, it's it's almost like a an assumptive booking. Yeah. And it's it's not pushy. It's not salesy. I mean, you don't want this patient. Don't we talk all the time about people that clinic hop and go to different injectors. Um, you need to take control of your own business. And yeah. it's not from a pushy sales perspective. Look at it from a patient continuity perspective. Yeah. Have the confidence to actually want to look after them yeah. and, and do it for them. Yeah. Look, they can say no, but you're making it more difficult for them to say no because you've done all of this work leading up until that point. So when you walk out to reception, all right, Joanne, um, book you in for three months. As we discussed in the room, have you got your calendar there? Does morning or afternoon suit you better? Yeah. Yeah, or does, exactly. this, does this time suit you well? Or however you want to word it, like, you know, develop your own style. But yeah. not just all of a sudden, the first time the patient hears about coming in again is when you're standing there and there's like, you know, receptionist and maybe a room full of people. Yeah. And they get put on the spot. Yeah, and they feel a bit vulnerable yeah, and pushed. Yeah, exactly. And so most people are living <clears throat> really busy lives these days. They'll actually appreciate you taking the initiative yeah. and making it easy for them. And I've said this, you know, many times before, hope is not a strategy if you're hoping your patients are going to come in, there's a chance they will. There's a chance they won't. Yeah. What if they don't have a booking with you? They haven't paid a deposit or their book, book deposit isn't on file. They're talking to a girlfriend. Oh, I've got my... I found this great guy. Oh, oh cool. I'll go there because they're not committed to you. Yeah. Um, you want a relationship with these people. You're not just randomly dating. You want a relationship. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, I guess the one thing I would drop in is for a new patient, I deliberately don't on the first treatment do the rebook thing i want them to uh, to to see you know how it all settles yeah. it's the first time they've ever done it but what i will do is i give them my card which has a qr code on it yeah and i say in two weeks whether you're happy or not happy i want you to um feedback yeah. to us so either yeah. send us an email or text us whatever and then if you are happy you are you know presumably going to do this again in three and a yeah. half months when it wears off 
you scan that thing and you book yourself online. So make it easy. Yeah, of course. And I think as, as well, it, it gives you an opportunity to reflect on your work. And so whether or not they come back in for a review in person, or you, maybe you have them via sort of some sort of Zoom or telehealth yeah. kind of situation where you're actually seeing the patient again, A, because it's another touch point, yeah. you're actually proving to the patient that you didn't just care about that money on the day, you actually care about their result. Yeah. It further deepens the relationship or starts to create the relationship. And it gives you an opportunity to see what you've done. Yeah. Because a lot of patients go and they don't come back. You don't know. Or that you see them when the treatment's just about worn off. Yeah. I mean, how do you get better if you can't see what you're doing? Totally. The other sort of top tip that I would give people, if, if you have identified people who are doing it regularly yeah. or you've got your sort of more loyal patients who are always going to come, put them for the next two. Yeah, okay. Because, you know, for example, right now I've booked my ones for September and December because yeah. I know December gets crazy and the amount of people who will want to rebook at the same time won't be possible. Yeah. So if I do it now in advance, I can almost make my patients feel more valued that they've got their slot. Yeah. It's reserved before Christmas just for them. Yeah. Um, and it costs no different. I only take one deposit yeah. and that rolls yeah. each time. Yeah. Um, but I also, my booking system, I allow them, you know, you can turn this on or off, but I allow them to be able to change their appointment. Mm. Just think it's, you know, if you notice that everyone is hopping about, it becomes a problem. But if the odd one actually it helps them book or rebook themselves online, yep. it then frees up your phone line and your receptionist yep. to get them with proper stuff. Absolutely. So yep. just depends on your booking system of, yeah. of how you want to do it. Yeah, for sure. Now, um, I think this is your last slide. Yeah. How do you build a strong team? Well, I don't, and I don't mean team as in the people within your clinic. I mean your circle of uh, professionals that support you in all the other aspects of your life and your business. So mm. you need a good accountant. What does that mean? A good accountant? Yeah. Well, first of all, someone that's competent at their job. That's, 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 uh, and that's sometimes easier said than done. So the best place to find good service providers is through referrals, word of mouth. Yeah. So talk to people in your inner circle of friends or friends that know friends. Hey, do you know a good accountant? This is a sort of my business that I'm in. You'll get some names and yeah. see a few people. It's like people that go and see someone for a a breast augmentation. Some people might go to the first person they see, but the common consensus is go and see a couple of people and see who resonates with you. Yeah. Um, who do you like? Who do you feel confident in? Who can you see yourself working with in the long term? Find a good accountant because having a good accountant is going to make the financial side of your business run smoothly. Make sure you don't run into tax debts that you were <laughs> prepared for. Help you plan your cash flow making sure that you're minimizing the amount of tax that you're actually paying and not paying extra that you don't need to, to the government. Yeah. I'm of the opinion that people tend to know what to do with their money better than the government does. So I encourage you to get a good accountant. So oh, yeah. that, that's the first thing. Um, set clear financial and business goals for yourself. Um, and that doesn't have to be, you know, the whole five year plan thing, even if it's 12 months, 12 months, what do I want to achieve in my business in, in the first 12 months? Um, what business goals do I want to achieve? Do I want to bring on another injector? Do I want to have X number of patients in my system? Do I want to get really competent at this type of treatment? Do I really want to like, so what, whatever it is, set, set tangible goals for yourself, but get a good accountant and get them to help you understand what it is they're doing. So I'm not telling you to go and learn how to become an accountant. What I'm advising is get your accountant to spend the time to explain to you basic financial information. Mm. So learn how to read a balance sheet. It's not complicated once someone shows you 
understand what a profit and loss looks like. What are the mo- what are the most important indicators that you need to be looking at, so that you at any point in time can go into your accounting software, run a report, and get an understanding of how your business is performing. Yeah. Because if you can't if you can't if you can't measure it, then how do you know where you're at? And so it's not an accountant's job to care about your financial future. Their job is to go through and make sure that you're tax compliant in, yeah. in the very most basic form. So if it costs you a couple of extra hundred bucks to get them to spend an hour or two with you, go through the process, get an understanding of what it is. At the end of the day, it's your business. Yeah. Um, so get, get, yeah. I mean, at risk of repeating ourselves, we've covered all of this yeah. with our patrons. Yeah. And that, I think we did a, a live video so that that's, that's yeah. there in our library. So you can yeah. watch it again. If, yeah. if you're a new patron and you've not watched it, we'll, we'll find that for you. And if you want to yeah. become a patron, that's available yeah. to you. Um, second person in your team is a good lawyer. Now I'm not saying this to scare people or because I think you're going to get sued tomorrow, but even when it comes to your consultation forms, the way your website reads from a compliance perspective, a lot of people will get consent forms and pre and post care forms that they've sort of got from someone else who got it from someone else who got it from yeah. someone else who managed to like, it's like Chinese whispers. By the time it comes to you, it's a is, it, is it up to date? Is it relevant? Um, even your employment contracts, all that kind of stuff. Like I know a lot of people and I, you know why? Cause I used to do this. Yeah. I used to cobble this shit together. So I know cause I've done it. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do what I did get. Take the time to a identify a, same as the accountant, a good lawyer that you've got a good rapport with that understands this industry to a certain extent because they are out there. Um, get them to run through all of your forms, your pre-care, your post-care, your consent forms, um, and make sure that they understand the way you work, the way your practice functions, the type of clients that you're seeing, where the risks are in your business. The last thing you want to be doing when you have a situation where someone decides to sue you or you get a letter from a regulator is to try and scramble to find a lawyer. Yeah. You're stressed. You'd probably just take the first person that comes comes your way that sounds half reasonable and you hope and pray that they're going to be good. How does that differ from having a, a you know, a formal medical legal service like Avantor? Well, they're, they're from insurance perspective. I mean, they're there to, I guess, assist from when someone tries to sue you and they're, you know, because they don't want to, <laughs> they, don't, they want to try and avoid paying out a claim. Yeah. That's the way insurance companies work. I'm not saying anything negative. That's that's just the reality of the situation. So yes, they've got their own lawyers there and take advantage of whatever service that you have. But I think it's important to have someone on your team who understands your business that you've got a relationship with, go through all of your forms, your website, everything, any touch point in your business that involves patient interaction, you want to make sure that it's compliant and up to date with regulations. As I said, even employment contracts, because laws change all the time. Yeah. Um, you know, we just had an award and I think beauty therapist award just went up. And so, you know, do you need to start updating your employment contracts and those things start to happen? So you want someone who you can, you know, got on your speed dial, mm. you know, when, th- when things happen or you've got an emergency situation. How much do you think that would cost for a, a lawyer to go through all your forms? <sighs> Average ballpark oh, price. I don't know. Maybe a couple of grand. Couple of grand. Okay, fair. Maybe. I mean, because they charge about five or six hundred bucks an hour, couple of hours to read through them, make some changes and amendments, maybe a bit of back and forth. Yeah, allow for maybe a couple of hours. So anywhere from probably one and a half to two thousand dollars, maybe. Yeah, could could be a good investment. You never know. Well, yeah. I mean, if there's something that's blaringly obvious, you know, obvious as an issue with your consent forms, it could save you from, you know. 
doomed. litigation or not litigation. Yeah. Um, and it's just nice to know. It gives you peace of mind to know that everything's up to date. You've had someone look over it um, and that you've got someone there in your moment of need. <laughs> Definitely. Um, <laughs> and, and mentors. We kind of, yeah, we covered that mentors. But yeah. I, I guess, you know, we've covered this pretty much from this whole podcast, but yeah. not just identifying a clinical mentor, but a business mentor. Yeah. yeah. And maybe even a, I don't know, just like a, a good friend to bounce ideas off each other. Yeah, for sure. It's, yes, it's very easy to get sort of caught up in your own thoughts and preconceived notions about things. So, yeah, it's important to have dip for people in your life who can support you with all the different aspects of what it is that you do. So, I've always had mentors around me, people that have been more successful than me, people that have done what I've done before, people that have made more money than me, people that have made mistakes that I don't want to make in the future. Um, so whether that be someone from a clinical perspective, someone from a business perspective, an emotional perspective, you know, as I said, human beings are social creatures and we tend to absorb energy and um, energy and what's the word I'm looking for and habits from people that we spend the most time with. Yeah. So it's important that you've got someone who's not in the situation who can look at things objectively, even if it's just someone who's not sort of indoctrinated in the way that you're thinking or in the depths of your business or your situation who can look at things from an outsider's perspective and give you some unbiased objective advice or, or information. 100%. So that's a good summary of your talk. Yeah, I think so, yeah. So hopefully people found that helpful. Yeah. It's, um, Have um, Mertz engaged you to do any more work with them? I don't know, maybe. There's, we're having some discussions. There might be some stuff coming in the pipeline. Nothing's totally confirmed, but... Yeah, I'm excited to start sharing business knowledge. I mean, I don't claim to know everything and that's one of the the, the disclaimers I made at the beginning of the, of the conversation was I'm not out here professing that I know everything. I'm only here to share what's worked for me yeah. and share my successes and, and failures. And I encourage people to listen to other thought leaders in the industry, other people that have been successful in business and learn a bit from everybody. Definitely. But it's definitely a part of that industry that has been neglected that I think needs serious attention as we move into a consolidating market and just if you want to be a high achiever yeah. you need to be across all these things now we weren't going to mention this but let's mention it because it's a good dovetail yeah. we're thinking about doing something live oh yes like uh workshop stroke workshops yeah that you know maybe tackle some of these things but in a more focused group perspective rather yeah. than me and you droning on on a mic. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that there's the, the conferences are fantastic and nothing is going to replace the conference, just even if you just go there for the networking and socializing and just the whole, you know, spectacle of going to these conferences because there's a lot of a lot of funds that are pumped into them and it's 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 pretty exciting to go to them. So, I don't think yeah. anything will replace that. But in some ways to for me, and I've sat in some of these lectures before, it does feel like you're being lectured at. Mm. Um, you don't have the capacity to sort of really ask questions. I mean, you know, people with their hands up, but most people are too a too shy. Yeah, it's sort of you don't get a chance. You get your question and an answer, but there isn't an opportunity to sort of engage in further discussion. Yeah. Um. So from my perspective, I'm a very interactive learner, and so for me, I, I and we're still sort of mapping out how this potentially could look. But we'd start them small initially, probably keep them very small and intimate, like groups of ten to twenty people. Yeah. Um, and actually do just you and I to begin with on a, a mixed day of, of business and injectable knowledge kind of workshops where we work with, as I said, a small group of people, we make it interactive, engage in conversation, get people to share because I don't have all the answers. 
I don't know if you have all the answers. Definitely not. Um, but that's how we learn together. And that's something that we've learned from putting out this podcast and developing our Patreon community is we've got so many great people involved who've mm. got different experiences from different parts of the world, things that they've tried that haven't worked, successes that they've had. And so we kind of see these things as, I guess, exclusive sort of little workshops where we can work with people that really want to take their business and their injecting skill to the next level. Yeah. So we don't have a date. No. We don't even have a formal plan yet, but no. that's kind of what we're working towards. Yeah. I mean, if, if this is, I mean, initially we'll probably start them in Sydney. We'll probably do a couple and iron out the kinks and, and sort of make them run smoothly because I'm sure that the first one will, will, have, a few, <laughs> will have a few little kinks in it. Um, but if it's successful, then it's something we might we might take around the country and then potentially internationally. Oh, you're taking it, them on holiday? Sure, why not? <laughs> why not? Why, anyway, maybe. If you guys got any comments, let yeah. us know. Just hit us up on our Instagram. Yeah. Inside Aesthetics in- Podcast. Absolutely. Um, all right. Well, thanks for the chat, buddy. That, that was, was a good. good one. Thank you. It was good. And um, enjoy the rest of your day. Take care, guys. See you later. For our latest news, follow us on Instagram at Inside Aesthetics Podcast. If you want to get in touch with myself or David, follow us on Instagram as well at Dr. Jake Sloan and David underscore Inside Aesthetics. Join our IA Patreon platform for invaluable business and injectable education. Get access to our global community of like-minded professionals, live and interactive Zoom sessions, hints and tip videos, webinars, and more. Head over to www.insideaesthetics.com forward slash Patreon for more information.